I'm Rob. And I'm Dave. And you're listening to the Doctor Who Show's Hot Takes on Series 11 of Doctor Who, where tonight, Dave, we're looking at It Takes You Away. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm I'm pretty damn good, actually. It's been an awfully busy day, but I feel energised and ready to talk about Doctor Who for almost an hour with you now. So before we dive into the episode itself, can I put some context around my viewing of it? Yeah, of course. This is the first episode of Doctor Who in quite some time that I had spoiled by the internet. Oh, in in what way? And I guess we can say we're in spoiler territory now for any listeners. What what spoiled you? So in the past, Rob, as you know, we have woken up on a Sunday morning. Doctor Who has just aired in the UK on Saturday night and we watch it and we sort of don't have a chance to see any social media or any comments. We go in mm. pretty fresh. Of course, with the delay, we now go through basically all of Monday day before we can watch it in the evening, which means that we see a day's worth of social media. And in the past, I've seen comments that have usually been pretty general and generic uh, stuff like, I really enjoyed this episode, or that was a weird episode, or wasn't the Doctor great in that episode? Really general stuff that mm. doesn't affect you. But in this one, when you have pitched people complaining about the twist and the surprise and then posting screenshots of the frog, mm. when you have people saying wow, I wasn't expecting to see Grace, wasn't that amazing? Yeah. That, that unfortunately, as I say, it's the first time in a long time I've had those genuine spoilers uh, get in my way. I've had people give me spoilers before that turned out to not be true. Yes. Uh, or, yeah. or we've had the series itself spoil stuff, like the announcement that the Cyber, uh, the Monday Cybermen were going to be in, in, in an episode coming up. You know, that was done mm. in advance. Mm. Uh, this is the first time when they've actually had it sort of ruined for me. So when I get to my comments, Rob, I wanted to put it into that context. Okay. I I guess I get a bit of that each week because running the the at Doctor Who show feed on Twitter, people do send in their thoughts about the episode and sometimes they get a bit spoilery and I just retweet them and try not to think about them. And a a lot of them were saying, you know, how about the frog and, you know, what about that frog? And I was thinking, I guess there's a frog in it. I didn't think too much on it. So I wasn't completely spoiled, but I knew there was going to be a frog pop up at some point. (laughs) No, I'd seen multiple tweets that actually said, wasn't it a shame that it turned out to be the frog or what, what it wasn't it disappointing what the doctor saw was a frog so i went through the whole episode going well i know this ends with the doctor seeing a frog and the big <laughs> exciting conclusion so <laughs> well look let's not dwell on that let's get on to our word of the week my word of the week this week dave is football my word of the week this week rob is signs all righty we'll get to those at the end of the episode now speaking of the episode Here's our chance just to talk about it in general. Dave, I want to kick off with the thought, for the first time, I think this whole series, the TARDIS team was in trouble. They seemed in peril. It seemed like they could actually get hurt. And I was very excited by that. Interesting. You disagree? I was very bored by this one. Really? I thought after three really good episodes, let me say episodes that I've been saying to friends who have given up on the series after the first few, no, 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 go back and watch Punjab, go back and watch um, um, Kablam, go back and watch Witchfinders. Mm. You will enjoy them. I've said to them, you know, don't worry if you miss Arachnids in a deserted hotel. Don't worry if you miss the Rotoroa conundrum. Um, (laughs) Just... Skip those. That's fine. No one, will, no one will forgive you. It's probably better you do. But I've been saying the last few episodes have been really good. The series has got really good, and and getting people back into the show. 
And this one, look, it started off interestingly. It looked good for the first 10 minutes, but I've got to say by about two-thirds through, I was really, really bored. Wow, I'm I'm really surprised to hear that because I quite liked this episode. I thought this was a, a weird episode. Not the same as something like Amy's Choice, but if I say to you that I like episodes like Amy's Choice where weird stuff happens... You know, essentially Amy's choice, they had to solve the, the puzzle by committing suicide at the end, you know, or thinking they were. Um, and and here they they solved a, a quite a mystery, um, obviously with the frog being a whole other dimension and, and, and universe and such. And I, I, I just really liked it. I thought this is this is weird. This is this is kooky. I, I like it very much. Um, it's interesting that you, you raise Amy in this because the episode that this reminded me most of was The Girl Who Waited which I've said before I don't like for exactly the same reasons I didn't get much out of this and that is that it is plot by cliche by numbers Mm. and in this one even the turns that I hadn't had spoiled I could see them coming a mile off. I could see that it was going to be Grace that Graham was going to be there. I could see there was going to be the moment where he wants to love her but he isn't sure he can I knew there'll be the moment of oh, you just said that about your grandson, so now I know you're not real. Like, I just thought everything in this was phenomenally obvious mm. after about the first 20 minutes. First 20 minutes, great. Enjoyed, exciting. Uh, went way off track for me in the last two thirds. Okay. I wasn't as that put off by it, but at the same time, I don't think it's a brilliant uh, episode. I mean, there's that whole, and this has been our complaint in so many episodes, there's that whole scene of exposition where the Doctor just describes what the anti-zone is and, you know, uh, then starts talking about the solar tract and how it was, you know, one of her grandmothers used to tell her the story and just, I think for about three or four minutes, just talks non-stop and explains the whole part of the plot that we need to know (laughs) can i I correct you slightly there rob Mm -hmm. for three or four minutes she talked non-stop i would argue that she didn't actually explain the plot to us because at the end of it i still wasn't sure what the hell a solid track was and what it was doing (laughs) i have the benefit dave talking of how we've watched these episodes i watched it once at work and i also got in a quick viewing here uh, when i got home before we've started recording so i've actually seen that speech twice now and uh, I guess because I sort of had a feel for what it was the first time when I heard her explain it again the second time, it made pretty much sense to me. Okay, that, that, that is a very fair comment and maybe watching it back I will, uh, I'll understand it. But, but in, in all honesty, by the time she was sort of two or three minutes into that speech about her grandma and something called a solid tract, etc., etc., I was sort of tuning out and by the end of it I'd gone, oh, what, what? And then she's going, oh, the solid, the solid track does this, and this could be the solid track, and this would be the solid track doing it. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the bit that I tuned out on when I was at work the first time, and that was the frog, because I kept looking at how bad the special effect was, and I sort of got distracted. And then at the end of it, I thought, oh, what was the frog talking about? <laughs> and then again tonight when I rewatched it, I thought, oh, it's actually a really nice thing talking about being a universe and talking about being friends but oh okay oh this is nice you know maybe i need to see it a third time to really really get it but there was something in there and i sort of liked it i could sort of see where they were going with the frog and it wasn't a bad idea but you're right there are times in doctor who where the special effects are a bit naff but that's okay because the plot carries you along but there are times in doctor who where the special effect is so bad it does just pull you out of the story. And my goodness, that frog was bad. 
I have heard people refer to it as being a bit like Kermit the Frog. That's doing it too much. It's it's more like Robin the Frog. I I thought for a moment it was going to just sit there and start sort of doing the whole halfway up the stair is the stair where I sit. It was so bad. And then when it sort of was saying goodbye to the doctor, I thought, oh no, they're not going to try and make it do a hand wave. Oh yes, they are. Oh my god, it was so bad. <laughs> And when 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 it's the when it's the conclusion to your episode, mm. and you're just going, oh my god, that's so bad. Uh, I'm sure that some people loved it. I'm sure some people found it really weird and different and out there and Doctor Who esque, and that's that's great. I don't don't deny them that at all. But I just thought, no, that is so bad. And but trying to make it talk like a human, like it, it, it can't help but look like a sock puppet. That's what frogs' mouths look like. Mm. Oh, I, I get you. I, I do get you. I. You know, I'm just thinking back through the episode and all the things I liked. You know, you say, oh, you know, it was weird and Doctor Who. Yeah, look, what about when they're walking through those caves with ribbons and his light source is like a floating red balloon? I'm like, oh, that looks really cool, you know? Just so many little things I pulled out of this episode and the setting. I'm pretty sure they weren't actually in Norway, but it was subbing in for Norway and I thought... This is a really different place to be. The TARDIS looks great sitting in that forest there. And and again, I come back to this thing where I think the crew really felt like they were in peril, which I haven't felt in most other episodes this series. Even when dangerous stuff's been happening, even when Krasko's been shooting his gun at them, even when all sorts of wild, crazy things are happening, I've never felt they're in peril. Here, I actually felt... Oh, wow, these flesh-eating moths, Ryan stuck with them. I just felt this was more... Doctor Who. I felt this was more of what I want from Doctor Who, and I felt the Doctor was really Doctorish. If we're not jumping ahead too far to talk about the cast, I'm really glad that you felt that way, and I hope most of the audience did. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy the Buffy demon thing in the caves. I, I just, it, it just didn't land for me. I can't explain it why it did for you and it did didn't for me. It 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 just didn't. That's okay. Sometimes that happens. You know, I was listening to the boys on the Big Blue Box podcast uh, recently about Kablam. They really didn't like slash didn't get Kablam at all. Mm. And, and they freely admit that most other people think it's really great, really fun. And they just don't get it. And they don't understand why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, no. That, that happens. That's, that's true. Yeah. Uh, before we talk about the cast, I'll just sort of make a couple of very general points that I did like the setting, as you just said. And, and, I, and I need to very much praise the first 15 to 20 minutes because that was very good as you said the setting was lovely uh last episode i said that i was hoping there would be a slarty bartfast reference yes and when the doctor described the fjords as the frilly bits on the top that's surely got to be a nod to slarty bartfast design award hasn't it i think so because i'm pretty sure he says at least in the radio series i got the award for doing all the frilly bits at the top yes yes actually so yes you got your you got your reference Yep, so that that made me happy. Yeah, I think everything else we can probably cover with the cast. So lead us along there, Rob. Well, I think for a change, I'd like to start with the main cast and start with the Doctor. Because I've already sort of prefaced this. I think the Doctor was extremely Doctorish in this episode in so many different ways. Keep going. I really liked her toughness in this episode. She was tough with what was happening she was tough with her companions that scene where graham is like touching the mirror and stuff and she just runs in there and says get back out of there and like oh there's some bite to her voice i like that you know yes there were still some silly scenes and 
oh, when she turned around and said, you know, have I told you how much I love Masonic? You know, I was like, oh, just don't say things like that. You know, mm. there, there were still bits that annoyed me. The The story about having seven grandmas or 15 grandmas or whatever the heck it was, and I liked Granny number five. I was thinking, we don't we don't need this level of silliness, you know, just, just making sh** up, basically. That, that's not, you know, an established thing. Don't, don't, don't make stuff up like that, Ed Heim. Um, <laughs> we haven't mentioned this episode. It was written by Ed Heim. Not a Chibnall episode this, uh, this time around. You know, I, I don't see the need for that sort of thing. But on the whole, I, I quite liked her. And at the end, she stuck her hands in her pockets. And I thought, ah, oh, she looks like Davo. But that, <laughs> that, that's small potatoes. That's only a small thing. Just on the whole, I really like Jodie in this episode. And as I said at the end of last episode... This was filmed second after The Woman Who Fell to Earth. This was filmed in their first filming block. So it's interesting that I've watched a whole bunch of episodes where she's been in the role for a while, and I don't think she's been nailing it. But here, on her second outing, I think she's really doctorish. I thought she was pretty good in this. I agree. She had some nice moments. At the moment where she wrote the message on the wall, I thought was really cleverly done. That was a nice moment. Uh, the moment when she worked out what was going on with the moths and everything, that was a nice moment. What worries me, though, Rob, is we're nine episodes out of ten through this series and we're still talking about the Doctor having good moments. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm well aware of that. Something I threw out on Twitter just recently, I, I said, you know, th- there's a lot of hate for this series. People have really got their knives out for it. they got their knives out for Jodie, you know. I don't think anyone has knives out for Graham. I think people like Graham, but I digress. Um... <laughs> people out there are really hating on the series and i think it's simply because there's been no killer episode there's been a lot of mediocre to all right episodes but there's been no one genius episode the doctor's never quite nailed things you know in the in her performance in the in the story and i think that's what's holding the whole shebang back i think when i go back and score this whole thing at the end of the series it's going to come out as a fairly average series which might sound pretty good any other time but when there's no real peaks when there's no real genius episodes happening it uh it doesn't look so hot yeah i actually would agree with that 100 percent. i i've said similar comments in the past each doctor for me has sort of had that episode four or five in where it's an absolute uh, on-arrival classic, and you just walk out and go, yes, this Doctor has arrived. Uh, it was Dalek for Christopher Eccleston for me. It was Listen for Peter Capaldi for me. Uh, it was probably, oh, maybe School Reunion, but definitely The Impossible Planet for Tenant with me. Uh, and Matt Smith, I'm still waiting for it to happen. But it's <laughs> you're right, though. We haven't had that episode, that definitive, just instant classic that everybody goes, that was great, that was fantastic, and the Doctor's here. The Doctor is now not... No, the Doctor is no longer a series of good moments strung together in between. The Doctor has arrived. They are a personality that we like and enjoy and want to have the adventures with. And I don't think we're there for Jodie. Some people have really bought into her, and that's great. I still see her as a very bland, uh, generic, not very well-written character that occasionally has some really good moments in an episode. Do you know what all those episodes have in common, the ones you've just named, where the Doctor became the Doctor for you and knew who? And that's a good adversary. Yes. Eccleston up against the Dalek, you know, just going nuts, just full of hate for it. Um, Tenet up against Anthony Stewart Head, for example. Or Satan. Or or Satan, indeed, Uh, who Jodie doesn't remember meeting. Um, (laughs) 
to go back to last week. Yeah, I, I get you. I, I absolutely get you on that. And maybe it's been a lack of a big, big villain that hasn't really helped Jody solidify. Like I yeah, say, though, I think and, she was tougher her, here. Look, she was, but when your big, uh, big exciting conclusion is her talking to a bad frog... <laughs> It's it's not exactly Anthony Stewart header of Dalek, is it? No, no, and that's that's part of the problem. Yeah. Moving on from the Doctor, how about Yaz? We we often have comments about Yaz not having much to do, being a bit wet. I didn't mind her here either. After a poor start, she got a lot better, and in fact, I was tricked by the episode. I actually wrote down the note at one point. Uh, Yaz is the police officer, but Ryan's the one who's asking the questions and investigating. They <laughs> did pull the rug out from under my feet there and show him do it badly and her do it better. And that's, I think, the first really good Yaz moment we've had for quite a while, if not this series, frankly. I still don't know what she is. I still don't know what sort of a person she is. I don't know what makes her tick beyond being a few lines of character. Mm. I'm, I'm not buying into Yaz. I mean, you know, nine, nine episodes out of ten, I'm not going to, you know said it last time i think it's time to say that yaz didn't work in my view anyway um yeah. but look on, on on the sliding scale yes this was a far better episode for her yeah and i agree with that a far better episode for her we're talking last episode about the show don't tell school and here when she said something like oh it's my police training i thought you don't need to know that we know you're a cop <laughs> and again that has to come down to the director because the way you could have done that is have Ryan, with his body language and the way that he's framed, etc., come in and sort of bumble his way through an interview and put the witness in inverted commas offside. Then if you'd had Yaz come in, maybe sort of rearrange some chairs, put them, you know, to the side of her so there's nothing between them, but they're not confront- confrontational, see her change her tone and frame the same question as Ryan asked, but in a different way. Mm. And everybody who's ever watched a police procedure would go, she's setting this up like a police witness interview. And you wouldn't have to say it. Everyone would just go, oh, I know what she's doing. It's because she's a police officer. Ah, clever. But again, we have this, I'm a police officer. I did this. No, no, no. Show us. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's only a small thing, and I guess it's there for the kids and maybe people who didn't see the first episode or something. But within the grand scheme of the show, Ryan knows she's a police officer. Why is she telling Ryan that she's got police training? He knows. And we as the audience know. Or even if you have a third character say it back to Yaz. So if Graham had turned around and gone, wow, you're really good at your job, or I can see the police training shining through there, which is something that people might say. If you show off a skill they know you have, they go, oh, I can see your background in that there showing through. That's a natural human thing to compliment somebody. Um, People don't usually, if they're not wankers, don't usually say those things out loud themselves. (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Ryan, your favourite, Dave. Ryan. Uh, disappointing in this one, I thought. Yeah? I mean, he had some good moments. I like the way that he reconciled with um the the young lady. Um, Hannah, was it? Yeah, Hannah, yeah. I, I like the way that he reconciled with Hannah, and he came good at the end of the episode. But he was just a little bit too... You know when people didn't know how to write Harry, and they made him a bumbling idiot rather than a slightly uh, out-of-place officer mm-hmm. i felt that's how ryan had been written here they they'd accentuated his goofiness yeah just 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 dialed up a little bit too much and i don't think that works and he he really was a bit of a plot device he, he was the guy that had to not 
get there so that they could have the the thing with Grace and Graham. True, true. There there were some good moments though. I liked when he had a bit of edge to him when he he physically grabbed Hannah and pulled her away from the mirror saying, you know, the doctor said we're not to go in there and he locked the door and then she's saying, you know, I'll call the police and he's like, well, what are you going to tell them? You know, the monsters are coming and he's really sarcastic. He's he's actually quite rough in that scene and and not acting in like a friendly, child-friendly Doctor Who companion kind of way, if I can put it that way. I thought, Oh, that was really interesting. That was a really interesting way to play that scene. Yeah, I don't think Tosin really knew what he was doing there. I don't think he was given good direction there because he seemed to be a little bit embarrassed or unsure if he should be playing it very firmly or if he should play, be playing it in a gentle ment- mentoring sort of way. I, 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 I don't know. It, it didn't quite work for me. I didn't quite think that he got what, it, what he was meant to do. Okay. I, I definitely took it in the rough sort of way that he was, he was right. being reasonably rough with her and sarcastic and, and not like the lovable, cuddly Ryan we normally see. That's why it stood out to me. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Uh, which just leaves Graham. I'm Team Graham, so I'll go first here. I think Bradley Walsh was just fantastic in this episode. Everything he did, all his lines, everything perfectly delivered. And I thought, I just want this guy to stick around. You know, even if Jody is going in another half a season, as people keep talking about of late, um, can he just stick around and be the companion for a while? You know, I just think he grounds this TARDIS team. Uh, absolutely. He really saved this episode from being one that, look, I thought it was kind of dull and didn't really get into. I think without him, it would have been an absolute stinker. He, he was by far the best thing in it. And uh, well, well done to you, Rob, for being Team Graham from the start, because that's really paid off for you. It has. And uh, like I say, we're listening to all these British podcasts that we listen to. Um, it was quite controversial because they all thought he'd be an absolute joke. But we didn't have that baggage. So I, maybe I, it was I, easier for us. I saw him at the airport last week. Really? What? Locally? No, not, not, not Bradley Walsh. I saw his TV show. Oh, I was, okay. I was, I was sitting in the airport lounge <laughs> waiting for my flight, which had been delayed by 20 minutes. And on the TV showing, you know, daytime television or whatever it was, there was Bradley Walsh asking really inane questions. <laughs> and you thought, oh, I've lost all respect for him now. <laughs> I did start to understand a bit better why the British were so surprised by him because, my God, he's inane in that. <laughs> Very good. Um, the support cast, they're, they're, there's not much to them. I think the main one there's is... There's not much to them at all. No, uh, Ellie Warwork as Hannah. I think this is actually a, a genuinely blind actress in real life. Okay. Uh, from from all uh, reports, she didn't seem cliched to me. You know, I know I had a crush on the girl in Kablam, but she was very much playing a character on Doctor Who. Hannah here felt very real to me, like like a character we don't normally see in Doctor Who, if I can put it that way. Uh, yeah, that's a really good way to put it, Rob. She was very, very real. I like that, yes. Mm. And, you know, I, I quite enjoyed her interactions with Ryan. I quite enjoyed the way, you know, she tricked Ryan and banged him on the head with the door. Uh, I, I, was, I was really quite happy with Hannah as a character. Although it did make me wonder, she really couldn't see much. She said she can sort of see light if it gets very close. And I thought, then why did the dad bang all those boards all over the house if there was no actual threat? Um, why not just pretend? Or, or not even bother with the boards at all and just use the, the sounds. I guess it was there to make us worry at the start of the episode. Like, oh, what's happening here? They've boarded up this house. Uh, but in practical terms, why would he have done, <laughs> done that when Hannah, um, you know, I'm not trying to be funny here, but literally couldn't see what he'd done. 
Yeah, that that didn't worry me too much. I think, as you said, it is part of that atmospheric setup, and I'll give it a pass for that. I did think that it was a bit of a cheat that she knew instantly it wasn't her mum, and I would have liked to have seen something a little bit cleverer there from her. Not the actress's fault at all, though. No, no. I think by that point they're running out of time. They've just got to blast through. Um, yeah, because we need to have 10 minutes talking to a stupid frog. <laughs> I I did like, though, when her face changed and she like pushed the mother away and said, you know, you're not my mother or whatever the line was. I, I thought she played it well. Um, but it was shorthand, yes. Uh, no, and, and, and again, that was one of those moments that annoyed me because I was sitting there going, oh, this is the bit where the uh, character that is lacking a faculty or has been, <laughs> you know, has a disability or something, they'll instantly know through sort of magical insight what's going on. I thought, oh, yep, there it is. <laughs> Dave, so cynical. Um, Sharon D. Clark was back as Grace. Did you enjoy seeing her? No. No? Okay. I don't mind her. I think she's quite jolly and fun. And I think Graham's anguish at seeing her, but knowing deep down from pretty much the start that she wasn't real, um, was very good. When I say no, I didn't enjoy seeing the character back because it's now becoming a thing. We've had Ghost Grace in um, Arachnids in a hotel. We've now had imitation grace in this and i don't like it as i said back during arachnids i don't like it when we do that with dead characters once i was kind of willing to say okay whatever we'll move on twice is now becoming a thing and and that i i don't much like uh that all said i thought graham gave the best performances of the episode playing against her so it was very well done mm. but you asked me if i liked seeing it and no i didn't but it was very very well done and graham was phenomenal in those scenes yeah very true um we probably haven't got much to say about any of the rest of the characters uh but i will give them a shout out to the actors at least uh christian rubeck as eric lisa stocker as terrible uh, (laughs) lisa stocker as trina and kevin eldon as ribbons who would walk straight out of a buffy episode with in terms of the makeup yes and almost the set as well (laughs) yeah yeah uh he was he was fine um I actually wouldn't have minded seeing a bit more of him because where he disappeared was kind of where the episode went went dull for me. Okay, very interesting. Just just to draw back on a couple of Doctor things, mm-hmm. um, th- things that I didn't really notice as being... Things that I didn't note down specifically as Doctor things, but they are kind of all Doctor things, and I'll, I'll talk about them. It was very interesting seeing the Doctor terrified and, ex- in fact, telling us the law she was that she was terrified. It's not something I like from the Doctor. Well, not often. There's a there's a Smithy episode where he's out in a field and he's being stalked by that monster. Do you know the one I'm thinking of? It's where he's gone to the haunted house and he's out and he says, like, I am the Doctor and I am very afraid. And when he said that, I was like, ooh, the stakes are huge here because he's saying he's afraid. Jodie didn't sell it as well, though. No, no, she didn't. I, I agree there are moments for it. I mean, Planet of the Spiders is probably the classic one where, you know, is that fear in your mind? You're not accustomed to feeling frightened, are you, Doctor? Mm. And I thought if, if you're going to go down that path, then sell it. Uh, yes, I, like you, was very annoyed at the, the whole Sonic thing. I get the kids love it, but I'm not a kid. Whatever, that's fine. Um, a line that she had, and I guess I just want to explore this, she actually had the line, there are worse things out there than people, which... In the context that we discussed last week, Rob, of one of the themes of this series being that 
people are the real monsters. Yes. I thought was a very interesting line to put in there. Well, did, did you notice that one? I, it did stick out to me, actually. I was like, really? Have you been watching this show too? <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting that they put that out there because I was then looking at this being perhaps you know, some sort of exploration of human fear or, or human psyche or something, and or, or alternatively, you know, a monster that was really bad. Once again, the thing that was worse than people is a frog. Mm. Uh, so that's a shame. But it was just really interesting to see that so explicitly stated, given the themes of this episode. Yeah, I think this far into the series, I think you're really expecting too much to, to expect, you know, anything really deep and meaningful out of where the stories could go. I, I, I think they're just written for kids this time around. Yeah, fair enough. Alrighty, moving on to the Chibnall death count. We only go up one this week, Dave. Uh, Ribbons copped it, so we go up to 19. Uh, yes. Oh, yes, yeah. and he, he copped it in quite a graphic way. I mean, the, the, the moth coming out of the eyeball, that was, that was you know, pretty full on. It was a nice little cherry on the top of that death. <laughs> yeah, and a scary monster too. I, I quite like those flesh-eating moths. Yeah. Why couldn't mm. there have been a giant flesh-eating moth at the end? Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. The the uh, the effect on the moths was actually better than the effect on the frog. Oh, way better. <laughs> All right, shall we go to the sports desk? Let's go. So, welcome to the sports desk, where once again we will discuss our. Play of the week, our foul of the week, and our player of the week. Rob, do you want to start us off with your play of the week? Dave, my play of the week is going to knock you off your chair. You're going to fall on your backside. My play of the week is the frog. <laughs> Silence. Explain. It's it's not the way the frog looked. The frog looked right. bloody awful. The frog's mouth moved in a ridiculous way. Yes, I get all of that. Terrible. Horrible. Um, embarrassing. I don't want to show this episode to anyone who doesn't already know Doctor Who. I think it'll put them off for life. But, 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 but. The conversation that Jodie has and the things she's talking about to the frog and the way they're in that all-white room and the way that it's a sodding green frog on a white chair is just so weird and out there and shows such imagination I just thought, I really like this. It's horribly done, but I like what it's doing. And for the balls that they've shown to do that, I'm giving it my play of the week. Look, I love that you say that, Rob, and clearly that landed for you in that way. I think it's landed for others in the audience that way. And that's a really good thing. It would be wrong of me not to acknowledge that it has done that. The bottom line is that I didn't see what you're seeing, but... Hopefully, someday I'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. <laughs> Very good. What was your play of the week, Dave? Uh, my play of the week, I have to give to the interactions between Graham and Grace, particularly when he first discovers her and he's trying to work out uh, what this means. And when, he, when he's he's realising that this is basically going to reset his grief. And yeah. without him saying those words, he he told us that in the most real and subtle and gentle acting. I thought that was a really good performance. I thought it was a really good moment. And in, in an episode that, well, you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of, 
that was a very strong play of the week. Yeah, completely agree with you there. And just while we're on, Graham, we did get a, oh, grandfather moment at the end as well. We did, and it didn't come in the last episode, so uh, we were slightly off on that. Or with Graham dying. <laughs> no, that's that's true, that's true. But I guess I'll move then on to my player of the week, and we'll do it in reverse order here, I think, because inevitably Graham slash Bradley Walsh was my player of the week mm. on the back of that performance. So uh, those two go hand in hand for me. Who was your player of the week, Rob? Well, look, Graham was my runner-up in player of the week, so I can't give a full snap there, but geez, he was so up there. But I'm letting Jody pip him this week simply because I really like what Jody did this week. And even if they're on par, actually, even if Graham was slightly better than Jody this week, the fact that she climbed up there for me excited me enough that I just want to give her an MVP of the week for this episode. No, very fair. Very fair. Which brings us to foul of the week. I'll uh, take lead here, Dave. My foul of the week, I'm wondering if I'll get a snap, is when Yaz says, why don't you reverse the polarity? Uh, no, it's not a snap. But not a snap? Okay. <laughs> but I understand. Because, you know, it's such a Doctor Who line. It's rooted in Doctor Who. But in real life, who actually says it? What kind of expression is it? Let alone coming out of Yaz's mouth. Why on earth would Yaz say that expression? Except for the fact that it's a Doctor Who line and it's going to make Doctor Who fans at home squee and go like, oh, she said reverse the polarity. It's like the Pertwee era. Oh, my God. Yuck. 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 (laughs) I hated that. I really, really hated that line. Uh, fair enough. Uh, look, I almost went with the line about the Sonic, but I have to be serious here and give my foul of the week to the, once again, long and dull and drawn out exposition scene, which I just, it, I was already getting bored with this episode and sort of sitting back waiting for something exciting to happen. And then to endure that long, random, Grandpa Simpson-esque story about I don't know what that didn't even actually explain anything to me and I still didn't know what a solly tract was uh, no it, it, it's it's a repeat offender um, this is somebody who you know, has had a red card on multiple episodes and needs to reconsess their career I think yeah look uh, completely agree with you although as I say I did get it the second time around and pretty, pretty much understood what she was on about the fact that she was just there explaining on screen for three or four minutes was just just crazy and the fact it's happened in so many episodes yes completely agree i think that's the real killer for me if this had if this was the first time it had happened i may not have noticed it so much but when it's again and again and again jody just standing around explaining the plot to us in really long and tedious detail it really stands out and you become you argue expected and you look for it and it yeah it's been the real fault of this season All right, Dave, so before we wrap up the episode and give our scores out of 10 and get on to some listener feedback, we do have our words of the week. What was yours again? So my word of the week was signs. Okay. Double meaning here. Firstly, I thought there were many, many signs as to where the plot was going, Mm -hmm. and and, and that wasn't a good thing. The second was, though, I got a real M. Night Shyamalan feel and vibe from the first part of this episode, and it really reminded me of movies like Signs. And then when they had the monster noise out in the bushes i thought is this going to do the village and sure (laughs) enough they did the village with the whole fake monster to keep the kids from not going in the forest so uh i wouldn't be very very surprised if the author here 
wasn't a bit of a fan of M. Night Shyamalan, as I am of his early work, let me say. And how many episodes is it this season where we've pointed very heavily, like, oh, the first episode, this is Predator, basically, for kids. And through multiple episodes, we've pointed out really, really strong parallels with other movies. Yes, in particular movies that you or I would have been teenagers when we saw. Mm. Yeah, it can't be a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, good point. Mm. Your word of the week, Rob, was football, I think. It was, Dave, because they say football is a game of two halves. And I think that explains this episode pretty well. There's there's a lot in there that I really, really like. There's a lot in there that I can say, yep, I'll cop that on the chin. That frog looks stupid. That exposition scene was ridiculous. Yaz saying, let's reverse the polarity was terrible. The doctor saying, oh, I love Masonic. Ah, yuck. Um, it's just one of these maddening episodes where I think it could have been so good. And yet there are so many things in it which do still piss me off. Yep. Very fair. So to give a score out of 10, this may seem high considering what I've just said, and it even seems high to me as I say it and these words come out of my mouth. I'm throwing an 8 out of 10 at it because I just I just liked it. There's something about it I liked. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10 because I thought there was some good material in here, but it was, sadly for me, one that didn't land and was just, just dull. Sorry. Wow. I, okay. I really I really wanted to like it. I, I really like the start. I, I really want to emphasize that. I like the start. I like Graham's interaction. I did appreciate some of the weirdness. I like the moths. There, 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 there's good stuff in there. Maybe even I should give it a six. All right, I'll give it a six. Okay. I'll give it a six. But I can't go any further than that. Maybe this is one on the rewatch I'm going to get more out of. I don't know. Yeah, I, I got more out of it. You know, I probably liked it about the same, but I did get more out of it. I understood it a bit better the second time. Okay. Anyway, let's see what our listeners thought. These are our listeners' hot takes. They're, they're tweets to us over the past 24 hours. I'll kick off Dave with Bernard D, at Bernard JKD. He says, rather interesting Scandinavian noir, let down by a new age wishy-washy waffle. Felt like that great penultimate episode of Class where we get metaphysical constructs, but this episode wasn't as good as when Class did it, which kind of says it all. Uh, that, yep, I get that. Uh, the next one we have is from Daniel Martinez uh, at Electric Maestro 5. He says, Well, while the Doctor and companions, despite their moments, still come off as rather uninteresting to me in terms of personality, otherwise, I've got to say, it was a rather interesting episode that took its time exploring its atmosphere and the problem that needed to be solved. Eight out of ten. I think he's more with you than me on that one, Rob. I think so. And I think atmosphere is a good way of putting it. I, I do think there was a bit of an atmosphere around this episode that I like too. And and that's a really good point because atmosphere is so hit and miss. One person's atmosphere is another person's tedium. Mm, very you know, true. One, 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 you know, slowly exploring something, if you are into it, is really tense and interesting. If you're not, it's just people slowly exploring something. Yeah. Yeah, good point. David Clark, at David Clark 14 says, It Takes You Away was, on the whole, a pretty good episode. Great setting, and the initial baddies were pretty cool, and flesh-eating moths, brilliant. 8 out of 10 would have been a 9 apart from the frog. It should have been a loved one from the Doctor's past. Yeah, that is interesting. I don't know what they could have done there, but yes, they could have done something there to make it a bit more interesting, and maybe taken that last 10 minutes in a really... High direction. What if you'd been... Alex um, Kingston saying, hello, sweetie. Oh, my goodness, no. Um, 
Um, but I'm thinking of something like the Nexus from Star Trek Generations. Mm, yeah. Where where Kirk and even Picard are tempted to stay in this thing. What if the end had been the Doctor knowing she has to leave and it's going to have consequences, they're going to destroy the universe, etc. But but the Doctor wants to stay and the Doctor's being tempted. That, I think, would have justified the whole build-up. What if it was the Brigadier? Well, <laughs> Nicholas Courtney's dead, so that's unlikely. Unless it was going to be a Brigadier done with a CGI sophisticated as that frog and that wouldn't have been pretty. Yeah, that's true. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. We have one from Mike Solko at MA Solko. They managed to pack a lot into this hour. The first third was incredibly creepy. The flesh moths flying up to the red balloon lights felt like David Lynch. All of the leads had good moments. Let's see a more assertive Yaz scenes moving forward. Seven out of ten. Mm. And talking that, you know, those red balloons felt like David Lynch. Again, that's atmosphere. Yes, that that was well done. As I've said, those those scenes I thought were really good. I'll, I could have dealt with more of those. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wanda, our long-term correspondent at Fishy Wanda, says, Absolutely brilliant episode. I think the awkward humour at the beginning was to turn down the horror vibe. It also took you on an emotional journey with a frog at the end. And she's done a little emoji of a frog here, Dave. Um, this episode also highlighted how brilliant Bradley Walsh is as an actor. Yay. Eight out of ten. I certainly agree with the uh, comment about Bradley Walsh being being a good actor. That's a really good comment, and I'm glad mm. people are seeing that like we are. Yeah. Darren Signal at DC Signal says, This could have been amazing. Who was going to be the facsimile from the Doctor's amazing past to entice her to stay? It's a frog. What? <laughs> Thank God for the Graham stuff. <laughs> and I I'm get with that. I'm with, you, I'm with you there, Darren. I get that, but the, the the whole idea was that it was going to be Graham's, you know, wife, and she loved frogs, so she appeared as a frog. You know, uh, I, I get why it was that. You know, even if it had been somebody we'd never heard of, and it was just this character that turned up, and the Doctor was like, "Oh my God, it's you!" And afterwards, when she gets back and she's ripped herself away from this thing, and the companion's like, "What do you see? What do you see?" I can't explain. It. I don't want to tell you. That would have been interesting. Well, that's a bit like um, the God Complex when the Doctor walks in. Is, is it the God Complex where he walks into the room and he goes, oh, it's it's you, it's it's always you, you know? That sounds right. I haven't watched that one in years. And and I don't think we get to see what Smithy's fear is when he goes into the room. I, I think we presume it's himself or something. That's a good one. I must admit the God Complex is on my list of episodes I've got to rewatch. I'll make the point of that over Christmas. I think. Oh, it's one one of my all time favourites. I'm I'm annoyed I can't actually remember it better. Anyway, moving on to our final one, Rob McKnight. G'day, Rob at Rob McKnight says, Seriously, how dodgy was that frog? Yeah, pretty dodgy. <laughs> That's all our listener feedback, which just leaves us to say next week is the uh, the final episode of Series 11, Dave. It's the battle for, I've got to get this right, Renskul Av Kolos. I think it's Chibnall wanting to just write weird words, you know, with his word processor. Because, yes, Chris Chibnall is back on writing duties. And I don't have a blurb for this one, Dave, but it looked... Um well, it looked like an episode, at least, from the trailer. They were very deliberate in this one to, I think, give us very, very little in terms of what it's going to be. It looks like it's futury. It looks like it's spacey. There's a guy yeah. with a gun. But I think they were very careful to avoid any sort of spoilers for this one. So we'll know what happened is in a week's time, I guess. Yeah, I guess the only thing we can say with certainty is that the Doctor, Ryan, Graham and Yaz will all survive it because we've already been told they're in the New Year's Day special. <laughs> 
spoilers. Oh, okay. Uh, on that bombshell, I've been Rob. And I've been Dave. We'll see you next time. Ribbit. <laughs> You've been listening to The Doctor Who Show, the podcast where too much Doctor Who is barely enough. Subscribe to us on iTunes or listen through the website at www.thedwshow.net. Write to us at hello at thedwshow.net or send us a quickie on Twitter at thedwshow. Facebook.com forward slash thedwshow is also a good place to find us if you're so inclined. Our version of the Doctor Who theme arranged by George Locke. Look him up on YouTube, folks. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Doctor Who, all names and sounds, and any other related items are trademarks and or copyrights for the BBC. All other trademarks and trade names are properties of their respective owners. The official Doctor Who website can be found at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash Doctor Who. Halfway up the stair is the stair where I sit.